0: Very happy Easter to each and every one of you. It's good to see you all here today. Our scripture today is found in the Gospel of John, chapter 20 of uh, John. It picks up about a week after the first Easter Sunday. On that first Sunday, God had appeared to them. Jesus had shown himself resurrected to the Apostles. And others, and we want to go into this as we think about things today. But about a week later, he appeared again to the apostles. Now, the first time, as we'll see here, Thomas, one of the apostles, was not with them. Let's look to our scripture then here, beginning in verse 24, chapter 20 of John. Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus... That means twin, so he must have had a twin someplace. He was not with them when Jesus came, that is, on Easter evening. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I shall see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and push his hand into my side, I will not believe. He'd felt very disillusioned. He'd felt he'd followed Jesus for all this time, and, and now Jesus was dead. And so his fellow disciples told him they'd seen Jesus alive, resurrected, and he said, no way. I believe he'd been at the cross. He saw how awful and how brutal the whole thing was. And he wasn't about to be misled again. And after eight days, so now we come about a week later after Easter, with Thomas the doubter, his disciples were within. And Thomas with them this time. Then Jesus came, the doors being shut. And he stood in the middle and he said, Peace be to you. Then he says to Thomas, Reach here your finger and look at my hands, and reach here your hand and push it into my side, and do not be faithless but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus says to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That would include us, wouldn't it? And many other signs, other miracles. Truly, Jesus did in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written, the various miracles in John so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. My Lord and my God, that's the title of our message today, this exclamation of amazement and faith and dedication, which doubting Thomas, no longer doubting Thomas, now gave to the Lord. Recently I was reading something along this line. Can life be an accident? No. One of the strongest reasons is that people do not give their lives for a delusion. They knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. Bearing that in mind, what further things may we see? Well, first of all, let's go back to the fact that he is definitely raised from the dead. Thomas was one of the twelve. Back in chapter 11 of John, verse 16, here's what it says. Eleven sixteen. Then he said to Thomas, who is called Didymus, it says that again, he's twin, and to his fellow disciples, here's what Thomas said to them. Jesus had just said they were going to Jerusalem, and they knew that he might be killed there. So here's what Thomas said at that point. Let us Also go, so that we may die with him. Now that's a pretty strong statement, wasn't it? Pretty courageous. Go to Jerusalem where they wanted to kill Jesus. All his apostles go with him. He figured we're all going to die if we do this. But let's do it. Let's go with Jesus. So he was a courageous person at this point we find out another thing that he was willing to speak out and ask a question when he didn't understand something. Go over a few more chapters to John 14 at the Last Supper. Some more words of Thomas in verse 5. Thomas says to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, and how can we know the way? And then Jesus gave one of the most well-known responses to that question in the Bible. Jesus says to him, to Thomas, and to us all, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. If you had known me, you should have known the Father, my Father, also. And from now on, you know him, and you have seen him. And so here's basically the gospel, the good news, that Jesus is the way to God. Jesus is the truth absolute. Jesus is the life eternal. And There's no other way to God except through him. So Thomas was courageous, and Thomas wanted answers to things he didn't understand. Having said that, Let's go back to chapter 20. Here he was, not believing Jesus was alive. He had a mind of his own. He had to be absolutely convinced of the reality of the resurrection. He was not going to give the rest of his life to follow a delusion. Jesus graciously (laughs) appeared to him Thomas had said, Unless I can put my finger in the nail prints, the feet prints, put my hand in his side, I'm not going to believe. No way. He demanded absolute proof. He wanted to know for a certainty. No way was he going to keep being a Christian, following Jesus. So Jesus very graciously appeared to him about a week later. This time he was with the apostles again. They were in a room, the doors were shut. Jesus appeared. He apparently, in the new body, had the ability to pass through doors and walls and what have you, appear and disappear. So he invited Thomas to do that. Look at the nail prints to put his hand in the side and to stop being a doubter but being a true believer in him. Confronted with this evidence, this proof, this certainty, that Jesus was alive, Thomas was overcome. I can hardly imagine how in his own words he said, my Lord and my God. He came from the misty lowlands of doubt and unbelief to the highlands of faith and trust in the Son of God, the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. St. Augustine suggested that Thomas was permitted to doubt so that we need not doubt. Yes, this is not just for Thomas what happened, but it's for us. To help us know of a certainty that Jesus is not dead. Jesus is alive again in a new and glorious body. And then, of course, there was that first Easter evening Thomas not there. Others saw him alive. And these are recorded in the historical documents of the New Testament. In several places it talks about his resurrection. It talks about these eyewitness accounts of people who did see him alive afterwards and who subsequently gave their lives to follow him. Thomas was one of those. He gave his life to follow the Lord. Let's go back to Luke chapter 24. Another account here about that first Easter evening. But before that, it tells us some others that saw him as well. Again, Luke 24, beginning with verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning... They came to the sepulchre, bringing the spices which they had prepared, and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulchre. And they entered in, they found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were very perplexed thereabout. Look, two men, which of course would have been angels, stood by them in shining clothes, And as they were afraid and they bowed down their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? And so the ladies heard this wonderful message, this question. He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day, rise again. And they remembered his words. You see, yes, he had told them that several times. <clears throat> They'd heard that he was going to die and be raised from the dead. But it tells us elsewhere they didn't really understand it. You see, they just wouldn't grasp the thought that this was literal. They tried to spiritualize it or something. They just kind of pushed those words aside. But now, here they're confronted, some of them, with the reality of the fulfillment of the resurrection. Well, what happened then? They returned from the sepulchre and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. And, uh, of course, the eleven seems to be a, a term for those that were faithful, even though Thomas was not there at that point. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and other ladies who were with them, which told these things to the apostles. Now, did they jump at that? Did they immediately think it was all true? Well, no. They had to be convinced too. And their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they believed them not. (laughs) But then arose Peter, and he ran to the sepulcher. And stooping down, he looked at the linen clothes laid by themselves, and he departed, wondering in himself that which was happened. We learn elsewhere that John apparently was with him. John went on into the tomb, and he saw and believed. Now, what actually happened, according to what I've just read here? The grave clothes that had been bound around Jesus were still there, but they were in order. They hadn't been unwrapped. The napkin had been removed from his face. You could see there was nothing inside. So what had happened? Evidently, the body of Jesus passed through the grave clothes, like he'd passed through into the closed room. The new body could do that kind of miraculous thing. And so that's what happened. And they saw that, and then they came to understand that, yes, indeed, he was raised from the dead. Then it goes on here in Luke chapter 24. It tells about two of them who were walking to a nearby village. The village was called Emmaus, about seven miles away from Jerusalem. And a stranger joined them. It was actually Jesus raised from the dead in his glorified body. But they did not recognize him at that point. In fact, in Mark, it says something about their eyes were held back from recognizing him. And so as they walked, they were telling him about the crucifixion, how awful it was, and how everybody knew about what had happened to Jesus. And he began to show them from the Old Testament scriptures how that these things had to happen. They'd been prophesied that he would be killed and that he would rise from the dead. When they finally arrived at their destination, they invited this stranger, Jesus, to come on in and stay with them. Well, he went on in with them, and as they were to eat supper, he broke the bread, and I believe they saw the nail prints in his hand, and their eyes were opened. It's Jesus. What a miracle! Jesus Christ alive and then in the wonder of that moment guess what he disappeared (laughs) he became invisible again well they were so excited they hurried up and got back to Jerusalem and they found the others gathered together as we have said and they wanted to share what happened well here's what happened They went there to Jerusalem. They returned in verse 33. And they found the eleven gathered together and them who were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and he's appeared to Simon. He'd already had a special appearance to Peter, who had denied him. Peter perhaps needed a special appearance to know he was forgiven for what he had done. And they told what things were done in the road they, that is these two people returning from Emmaus and how he was known by them in the breaking of bread and as they thus spake Jesus himself stood in the midst of them so now here he appears suddenly again and he says to them peace be to you but they were terrified and scared and imagined that they had seen a ghost and he, you see they they weren't just quick to jump to things, they had to be convinced too, like Thomas later would be convinced. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? Why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me, handle me, and see, because a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see me have. So I believe they reached out, and later in one of the letters that John wrote, he talks about touching them and so forth, they actually touched him. Sure enough, he wasn't a ghost. He was really there. And what did it say he had in his body? Flesh and bones, a real body. Now notice, no mention of blood. You see, the new resurrected glorious body doesn't need blood In fact, his blood had been shed on on the cross for our sins. But what an amazing thing this is. They touch him. They feel him. He's not a ghost at all. He's really bodily alive again. They knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that, that this had happened. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy and they wondered, he said to them, Do you have here any food? Gave him a piece of broiled fish and of a honeycomb. And he took it, and he did eat before them. Ghosts don't eat. (laughs) He wasn't a ghost. Bodily, he was raised from the dead. He had a glorified body. And God is going to raise the bodies of believers someday. And if he comes back and we're still alive, we'll be changed instantly and get this new body like Christ. What a great and wonderful promise this is. And so there are others who saw Jesus resurrected, who knew for a certainty that he was alive again. He leaned over to backwards, as it were, to make sure they knew this. And there's a special appearance to Mary Magdalene, we read about this, too, in the Scripture. Uh, he, she is the lady It tells us that he had cast seven demons out of her. Some people think she was the immoral lady of Luke 7, but that doesn't really seem to fit. But at any rate, she was a redeemed sinner, a redeemed person who knew Jesus, and he saw fit to appear to her. And apparently she was the very first person of all of them that he gave this personal appearance. Because an empty tomb alone does not a resurrection prove. (laughs) They had to see Jesus as well. Some people claim that, well, he didn't really die. Well, we see in John that he did. In fact, they pushed a spear up in his side later. It came out, apparently, plasma and serum showing he had died, the separation in the blood. Roman soldiers knew how to crucify people. They didn't make mistakes. But at any rate, he was definitely dead. He didn't revive in the tomb. Crucifixion was one of the most brutal ways of killing somebody there was. And it often drug out for hours, even days sometimes. But we find that he conquered that, and he rose from the dead. Now let's think about what... Thomas actually said here, back to John 20, he called him Lord, he called him God. What does that really mean? Did Jesus accept that? To call him God if he weren't God would have been a serious mistake, wouldn't it? Would Jesus accept being called Lord and God? Well, yes, he did. He said, Thomas, you believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. He accepted what Thomas had said. Well, then let's ask what does it mean when he said he's Lord? Go with me to Luke chapter 20, beginning with verse 9. Luke 20, beginning with verse 9. And in this parable, we will see a bit what a Lord is, what that word means. But there's more reason than that, that I want to read this. Luke 20, verse 9. Then he began to speak to the people this parable. A certain man planted a vineyard, and he rented it out to farmers. And he went into a far country for a long time. And at the season, he sent a servant to the farmers that they should give him from the fruit of the vineyard. But the farmers beat him up and sent him away empty. And again, he sent another servant, and they beat him up also and treated him shamefully. They sent him away without anything. And again, he sent a third one. They wounded him also. And threw him out. Then the Lord. Notice the word. The Lord of the vineyard. See he was the owner. He's the one that had full authority over the vineyard. The Lord of the vineyard. Said what shall I do? I will send my beloved son. It may be they will reverence him. When they see him. They're going to honor him. They're going to pay what they should. But when the farmers saw him. They reasoned among themselves, saying, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they threw him out of the vineyard, and they killed him. Therefore, what will the Lord of the vineyard do to them? Notice again that word, Lord. It helps us understand his authority, and in this case, his ownership of the vineyard. He shall come and destroy them, those farmers, and he shall give the vineyard to others. And when they heard it, they said, Let it not be. And he looked at them and he said, What is this then that is written? The stone which the builders rejected, the same is become the head of the corner. Whoever shall fall on that stone shall be broken, but on whomsoever it shall fall, It will grind him to powder. But notice back in verse 17, the stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner. Well, the resurrection of Jesus is prophesied here in the Old Testament, repeated here in Jesus' parable. He would be killed, he'd be set aside, but God would raise him up and (laughs) he's the cornerstone. I love that song about the cornerstone being Jesus. And indeed he is. So we see a Lord is someone that has authority over us, someone that we obey, should obey, not like these bad people did. But he not only called him Lord, Thomas also called him God. Now that's quite a step. Lord, I think in the ultimate set, leads to God. But here's very specifically, he also said He was God, my Lord and my God. Notice the personal aspect. We can identify with that or should. We too can say, my Lord and my God. Is Jesus really God? Yes, the Bible teaches he is. This is maybe the main thing that kept me from becoming a Christian for years. I did not believe that Jesus was God. I fought that. I did not believe that was true at all. But here, finally, Thomas realized he was Lord and he was God. Now, in Revelation chapter 1, the one who appeared to John on the Isle of Patmos, twice is called the first and the last. By the way, if you saw that TV show Jeopardy just a few days ago, they asked a question, something to this effect. In what first chapter of the Bible does it talk about the first and the last? Well, here's the answer, right here in Revelation chapter 1, verses 11 and 17, I think they are. The first and the last is the one who appeared there to Jesus. But back in Isaiah chapter 44, verse 6, we learn that Jehovah God, God Almighty, is the first and the last. It says it more than once back in Isaiah. And so what do we learn here from Revelation 1? Since the one who appeared is the first and the last, he is also Jehovah God. And so Thomas was right in calling Jesus, my Lord and my God. My Lord the one I should obey. My God the one I should worship and serve. We then as I suggested earlier may take Thomas's place and also before Jesus say my Lord and my God and really mean it and surrender to him. John in Revelation his response to the glorious resurrected form of Jesus that appeared to him there in that chapter was to fall at his feet as dead. And what a beautiful picture that is of our submission to the Lord, the glorious Lord, no longer dead, sins of the world atoned. Now he's alive again. He's conquered death. It'd all be futile without that. We see that in 1 Corinthians 15. Also in 1 Corinthians 15, at the beginning of the chapter, there's quite a list of different people that saw Jesus. In fact, it says at one point, over 500 people saw him at one time. So this wasn't a little thing done in a corner. There were many witnesses, hundreds of witnesses, hopefully like Thomas, that would go and give the rest of their lives to serve the Lord, hopefully like us we will do the same easter we commemorate the resurrection of the lord jesus thank god he is victor low in the grave he lay but he rose victorious thank god for his great salvation and grace and love shall we pray <clears throat> we thank you lord for what you have done. Thank you, you, the sinless one, died for us. We are the sinners. You took the penalty of sin that we might be forgiven and have all our guilt removed, that we might receive new life. O oh Lord, may we truly, like Thomas, Not linger in unbelief, but instead come to full faith and trust in you as Lord and Savior and God. May we fall at your feet as dead. May we daily give our lives to you. May we take up our cross each day to follow you. May we present our bodies living sacrifices to live for you day by day. Again, we thank you, we praise you, we honor you. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen.